0: You look amazing. I, so. I, I'm at, I am at my target weight. When you, I was a year you, you ago. We govey, Yeah. You don't have that Ozempic face that no, people no say. No one does. No That's one does. That's total
1: bullshit. That's the New York post for whatever reason. They have something up their ass about this thing. And once a week they post some like horrible story out of millions of people that are doing this and it's improving their lives metabolically, like a whole host of things. You know yeah. what I mean? And all these ways. And they just want to post the Dude, I'll thing.
0: take Ozempic face over what I have now, which is Nabisco face. Like I, that's like good. what that's
1: how, but how's your
2: muscle mass?
1: It's I'm awesome. Just, I've been, dude, I've been working out. I sleep makeup, better. Let I don't, me say make a butt. I don't makeup, I don't yeah, I yeah. don't snore anymore. So I wake up and I have Josh snores like an animal. I have animal. I wake up and I I work out. I you, listen, like any weight loss regime, if you are on a heavy diet, okay? You will lose muscle mass. Okay? So if that's the biggest gripe, you got to work out. Like that's the whole thing, and so then the drug acts as a, a bit of a jetpack to the whole thing, and that's my friend Zach, who's the CEO of Roman, and that's what I do this body through. They prescribe the medicine, they manage the whole process. It's nutrition. It's Did exercise. you have to take that stupid mail order drug test that people? Yeah, but why right. is that stupid? Uh, blood, blood do, do you like going to the doctor and you know, no. giving blood? So why, this why, thing why, took how are you twenty-five with,
2: minutes. How are you friends with somebody like uh, famous people?
1: Um, what, what's your story? Me? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, Josh is the most famous person I know. <laughs> CRB <laughs> and and I
0: heard <laughs> one of these famous people he's friends with? the CEO of of Roman he no, was stud. The, the, is it Roman Reigns I won't who's say the
2: enough.
1: CEO who's CEO Roman is Zach it a famous Kata. person no he's a, he he will be right. oh.
2: it, like the Celtics dude
1: oh Oh, Wick Grossbeck? How do you know that guy? Oh, he's a great dude. Uh, good friend of mine, Rick Heitzman, uh, who runs First Mark Capital here in New York. And he is actually an investor in Roe, early investor. He's mm. on the board. Uh, Wick is also an investor there. That's how I know those. Two. You just connected the dots there. there Pretty go. good. Wick actually has a, a television show that John Cryer is going to be the lead in. It's called Extended Family. I just it's, saw the preview for yeah, that. And, it's, and and Wick and his wife, Amelia. And is this John
2: Wick? Who are we talking about? Wick
1: Grosbeck. So he's the lead owner of the Celtics, um, and he wrote this with his wife and, and, and a team of writers. It's about their lives um, because he's is uh, Amelia's his second wife, and it's talking about the relationship between these two extended families. It's a good premise because yeah. that that's something that has always worked on television. Yeah,
0: like go back to Brady, Brady Bunch. Bunch, and you know it's who else has always
1: worked? John Cryer. John Cryer. I love that guy. Yeah, right.
0: Well, Rob's, what Rob, else was yeah. he in besides Two and a Half Men? I don't really know. Um,
1: he was in this movie in up. the 80s. I know the movie. Yeah, remember that? It was excellent. What um, was that called? Something um, away or... It's uh, like a two-word thing. Yeah, he hiding was... Hiding out. Hiding out. How about Hot Shots? Holy oh, when the kid shit. goes to high school to get away from, like, a crazy hiding drug dealer or oh, something he, like that. He's, like, dressed up like a high schooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's the nerd friend. I think John Cryer. He's a guy um, in Hot
2: Shots with like the glasses, or he can't see. He's got yeah. like this weird yeah, vision he's, thing. He's John Cryer. He's, he's a legend.
1: He's an legend. And you know what? The good thing for you, Josh, is that you know is like think about all these people who've been recycled with Stranger Things. You had you, you know you were you were a legend. Yeah. In the in the aughts, and yeah. you're, in twenty years from now, you're gonna it'll all come back. You'll be retro. I l- I love that they brought Winona Ryder back. She's great. But think about all those guys, Sean Astin.
0: Remember yeah. from Rudy? Like yeah. like you know all those Lord folks. of the Rings. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, they'll bring me. They'll bring me back someday. All right, let's get the show on the road. What do you think? Turn him up. He wants to hear us louder. More, more. There it is. All right, regulators. All right. Up. Hey, what show is this, John? This is Common Friends
1: episode one, two, three.
2: Welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by Josh Brown, Michael Batnick, and their castmates are solely their
1: own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational
2: purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
0: Today's episode of The Compound and Friends is brought to you by Public.com and the Public App I love this special offer that Public is doing for the holidays. They have this great bonus thing where if you switch your portfolio to Public from a different brokerage firm, you're going to get something, and I'll explain. Everyone will get a unique offer based on the portfolio that they're moving, and it takes less than a minute, literally less than a minute. All you have to do is enter a few details at Public, and they will send you a personalized offer. On average, their offers are more than double what the other firms are paying. 85% of people who apply will get an offer of at least $100. Unlike most of the other brokerages out there, Public's offers are uncapped. And the highest offer for switching they've given so far is $19,000. Maybe you could beat that, maybe not. Pretty good. Check it out and see what your offer is with no obligation. I want you to go to public.com. .com/switch The average offer is $396. Most people get at least 2% of their portfolio value as a bonus. You can boost your offer if you also want to transfer cash directly from your bank account. Once again, public.com/switch. This is a paid endorsement for public.com. Terms and conditions apply to the transfer offer brokerage services for U.S. listed, registered securities, options, and bonds in a self-directed account are offered by OPEN to the Public Investing Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Additional disclosures and the link to transfer terms and conditions can be seen in the episode description. Episode one, two, three. Guys, this is the last show of the year, and I have to tell you, we could not have brought in a more fitting, appropriate guest. Dan is the principal of Risk Reversal Advisors. You know him as the co host of On the Tape podcast, founder of On the Tape, you and Guy and Danny. And Danny Moses. All right. Uh, I think a big chunk of our audience listens to On the Tape. Uh, you also have the OK Computer uh, podcast, and Packy's on that, right? Packy comes on that. I haven't seen Packy all year.
1: I got. We got to get Packy on here. Uh, how's he doing he's doing great I yeah mean, he, he like he
2: was heads down during crypto winter yeah yeah no choice that's and, and, that's and, and, that's the life. can you give, well, give a shout to packy he of just course. wrote I've I've written written I've spent many hours reading his blogs yeah. his essays and the one that he wrote this week about losing momentum and getting it back yeah is f- Great. Well, and he awesome.
1: launched a new video series, Age of Miracles. So that's one, one of the things we talked about. He's just a really curious guy. He's a really smart guy. He's not condescending. You know how, how many blog posts? And this is one of the reasons I think you guys had both had such tremendous success, demystifying difficult topics in a non-condescending fashion. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think he does that. He's said. a yeah. He's yeah. A No, he's
0: he's lovable. And yeah. uh we gotta we got we gotta get him back here. And you are a panelist on CNBC's fast money. That's how you and I met for the first time. That how is. long have you what been? What year on- was that? When did you start? Before I started
1: me? doing Options Action in April of 2009. I started oh doing God. Fast Money uh, regularly in 2011. How they find okay. you?
2: How did you find them? You
1: know, it's crazy. Um, it was 2008. I was at Merrill Lynch. I was trading a prop book in the derivatives equity derivatives group. Um, obviously, at the end of 08, they were not going to be trading prop anymore as we headed into 09 in the merger with what Bank happened? of America. I, yeah. Well, it's for another podcast. Something about the balance sheet, etc., etc. Cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I literally had a headhunter call me who. Are you Saying you caused the crisis? Well, actually, in Q4 of 2008, that equity derivatives group made a billion dollars. John Thain, who was the then CEO, called it out on their. Conference call, earnings call, basically okay. saying thank you for that. Um, and my friend James we ne- was we in needed, of that. We
0: needed that billion dollars. Yes, well, <laughs> that, was... o- that
1: offset the uh, Journ- eighty billion they lost. Journal it over to uh, you know Bank America, please. Um, no, so so it was basically a headhunter. They were trying to place folks like us at hedge funds that you know equity derivatives options were just blowing up at the time, right? Yeah. And, and, and and in a good way, you know. And so uh, lots of funds. If you go and trace back a lot of these multi-strat funds that have these big vol strategies, it really goes back to that period because there's a lot of really smart people, um, quants, but also just kind of just really focused on fall directionally. And they lifted them out of there and started, you were, trading,
0: you were trading the bank's
1: money or you were working with clients or both. I, I had no client contact whatsoever. Okay. So I was off, off in a corner. Uh, it was great. I mean, listen, I grew up on the buy side. So like the idea, like I always dealt with, um, all these major, you know, sell side banks. Um, I just was not in the business of sales. I didn't know anything about it. So for me, it was really interesting to be in Uh, inside of that operation for 07 when things couldn't have been better, right? Think about how quickly things changed to 08 and how quickly they went bad and none of us ever thought a bank of that size could go away, right? And it did Did, like that. did Did they buy Countrywide? Yeah. They did, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Like, well, all- I think the summer of 07. They, oh, they, oh, oh, that's so funny. Dude, that was so little, funny. Yeah, yeah. Dude, but, I, was so dude, funny. but how'd you get to
2: CNBC? Finish that story.
1: So um, a headhunter who was trying to put me in front of some hedge funds um, at the time said, this is kind of a weird one. Uh, CNBC is looking to cast a show of options traders who can walk, talk, and chew gum at the same time, and I think you might fit that bill. So I went into a um, screen test. So what, did he had a list and you were just on the list? Yeah. Or I, he thought of you because you knew him? Uh, he thought of me because I probably had gone and interviewed at a couple of hedge funds, you okay. know what I mean? And then at that time, fund performance was horrible. So like no one was hiring to do anything, yeah. you know? And I was actually just going to go on the beach. Um, I'd only been there for a couple years. Think about this. I worked with so many guys at Merrill who'd spent their whole careers there. So 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 let's say two, I don't know, a half of their comp, for the last 10 years was in that stock. Part of the culture was you never sold that stock. Oh, M-E-R. Yeah, Merrill Lynch stock. Yeah. M-E-R. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was just it was actually a really sad thing to see. And I'll tell you this from my experience on the buy side and dealing with Merrill, they were always one of the best firms ever to deal with. They were just solid citizens, good people. They did care about, you know, you and your business and all that sort of stuff. So it was actually a really sad kind of
0: Oh, I agree and I still don't understand why they they continue to downplay the Merrill insignia, yeah. the logo is gone. Yeah. They ripped the name off everything. Be bullish. It, it was like one of the greatest yeah. Wall Street brand names other than in that two-year period. Yeah. But for like, I don't know, 70 years, that was an amazing brand. And they just like, it's like it never existed. I almost want to buy that brand. Yeah. And uh, bring Didn't it back. did someone buy E.F. Hutton yes. recently? Yeah. Somebody bought E.F. Hutton, somebody bought R- Robbie Stevens. Yeah. Like I, Robbie Stevens Lee, was a Mark great my words, firm Lehman. The, the Lehman name will make a comeback in some yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah, because these names, if you can get past like that two year stretch, like they they have equity. Like there's a
1: well. Here's a another life in them. Is, is, Here's a better question. They have is, Negative equity. Is there a boutique that exists today? Yeah. that has the potential to get to a first tier sort of firm investment bank as we think about it? Because we haven't seen one of those bubble up and become. They don't that. want to. The good ones, don't, like Allen you don't, you don't Allen think, and Company, you don't they think don't want this Would want to be like a Jeffries or, or
0: you know, like like like, a, right, like yeah, here's what something I think. like that. I think the next Merrill Lynch, it's an RIA called Rockefeller. I think yeah. it's Rockefeller. Yeah, they're Partners. doing a big roll up. Is that right? They're just they're just they're like, all right, how much do we have to give you to come over? Three hundred percent of your trailing, whatever. We'll just do that. Yeah. Advisors are signing on there because they know what they're doing in terms of tech, and they're giving you that wirehouse experience, but with a way better payout. And it's kind of cool to call your clients and say I'm joining the Rockefeller yeah. family office. Either your client, if your older clients think it's like related to the real Rockefellers, your younger clients think it's Jay Z. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> it's really good optics to say that you just got
1: recruited by Rockefeller. So that's one part of the business. But let, let they're going to get this. big, though. What about gonna what, get what, big. under James Gorman? What Morgan Stanley did? They bought Eaton Vance. They bought E Trade. They bought a lot. Those of are other lead sorts
0: sources for wealth management. It was really smart. The other thing that you're gonna see happen, though, is you're gonna see the bulge brackets or the wirehouses, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. those wealth management operations are all gonna become multi-tier. And like Wells Fargo is a great example. Rather than lose all of their best people to opening their own firms mm-hmm. and completely severing ties, Wells Fargo like built a playground where they could pretend to be entrepreneurs, they could run their own business, but it's on Wells' platform. Yeah. And that's in response to the Wells Fargo name having been somewhat tarnished, like over the last few years, like seven or eight scandals in a row. Yep. So it's just like, look, we don't, we can support these advisors. We don't want them to leave and go join Dynasty yep. or High Tower. So let's keep them in house, but we'll give them like a little bit of fake freedom so that you know they can tell people, oh, my firm is you know uh, Mountain River or whatever you know whatever the. F- yeah. So that, that's like the big trends going on, I think. Uh, and those firms will
1: get bigger. But that but there's a benefit to that too, to being attached to a large money center bank. Um, yeah, you no, know, you can it, um, actually give them, you know, better rates on mortgages. There's uh, when the IPO calendar comes, I mean, there's a whole host if of things. you have clients that, kind of that have, if you want.
0: have, right. If you have clients that have a hundred million dollars, yeah. they want the services yeah. of those banks. Yeah. Like UBS, Wells Fargo, it's meaningful. Um, they don't need everything the banks do. Yeah. But if you're an advisor to that category- like it's scary. In the to, next ten years,
2: leave. RAs will be able to offer all of those banking services. Well, so that's well.
0: the other side of the coin. Is like Schwab is leveling up what they're Everybody up, is. enabling but us. Don't to you do. want to buy
2: the
1: picks and shovels who are helping them do that? What, no, what? it's a low margin business. Really?
2: Dan, go like this. You've got you've got some fuzz in that beautiful that sh- head of hair. Schmutz they call the, it a flyaway. It's, oh, it's, no, it's from the Santa uh, hat. No, it's from the Santa hat. Not your you fault. You have so much hair, it can't come out. Nicole, made me wear this. Nicole, bring bring him a brush. <laughs> okay. The, uh, all right. We're starting over. All right. All right. What is, all right, this <laughs> is the whole thing. thing? You
1: go first. All yeah. right. So it's a good question. So,
2: Dan, your handle on Twitter is Risk Reversal. That, it's the name risk of Reversal. It's the name of your your company. Yeah. So I saw this chart from Bloomberg. Dollar risk reversal is least bullish in over three years. So for the audience, yeah. what? In the hell is a risk
1: reversal. So risk reversal is it's in derivatives, it's in futures. It's a, it's it's basically doubling up on something. If the call gives you the right, let's say, to own uh, something at a particular point in time at a specific price, and a put gives you that same right to to sell something. So so think about it this: if you're doubling up on that, if I was really bullish on something, I might sell a put which is actually bullish and buy a call. That's a bullish risk reversal. Uh, um, a well, collar makes that a bullish risk. For- what makes that a book? Because if you're reversal, selling the, put, why is it called that? It's, it's, it's basically, I mean, it's just technical jargon. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know how we come up with names for all this sort of stuff. And, um, so like the specific question that you're asking is basically talking about the skew. And I don't want to get into like weird things, but like the price that it costs to buy a put, uh, and the price that it costs to buy a call at the equal distance away from the actual um, strike. or One the, the, will the, be yeah.
0: overvalued, the other will be Correct. undervalued. Correct. usually that's the, the
1: case. And that's what that's saying, is that the, it's really cheap right now. And I've noticed this. You see this all the time in periods like we are in right now. Normally, okay, there would be greater demand for puts, right? The higher something goes, right? Like the more you want to protect it. So therefore, Option dealers know that, right? And they're going to price it up. Right now, even as the market is going higher, the stock market, okay, the everything rally, did you name that? Who named that? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's greater demand. Somebody bearish. There's greater demand. For calls right now, so the skew is towards calls, which tells you something about so fast. It can what flipped yesterday, right? Ah. So we're recording this Thursday afternoon. We saw what happened in which market?
2: Oh, you mean the S&P? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But so, so it's it's a great like you guys have probably been talking about the RSI has not been the relative strength index has not been you know this skewed. You know what I mean? Towards can we talk about that? Yeah. A reporter asked me why the market went down intraday
0: seven hundred points, and I said, "Oh, it's uh, options gamma and." I don't even know what that is. I just had to go. Like, I I didn't want to like get into a whole thing. Yeah. So do you think that there is an options-related reason for a three o'clock sell-off that catches everyone? Now it doesn't really matter because the market's bouncing back today, but like
1: what what is that about? We when, just when named our pod. That? I just did it with Danny and Guy. We, we named our pod. And you guys can't use this uh broke back market, okay, because they can't quit them. <laughs> Duncan, right? they, would we ever do would we ever use that? Wait, because what? <laughs> because they can't quit them. Okay. So so think so, Think, think get about that. Like, I, don't the I just can't quit you. Oh, uh, obviously, not a big cool. broke back guy. All right. I'll explain it to you later, All okay? Right. So, um, and then also a, a song, Guy's Mind immediately went to Led Zeppelin on their inaugural album. I can't. Guy's quit your mind baby. goes to Led okay, Zeppelin. Yeah, obviously. Okay. So Pretty the point always. is is like we had that sell-off. It felt real, right? Because like some of the biggest market leaders got hit. Everything got hit across the board, you know, it was the first big down day in a while. And here we are, you wake up and they're just bit up. You know what I mean? And they kept on going. But what out. do you
0: what come- does something trigger that? that's a uh, rebalance or options related
1: or yeah. so, so, I don't have so a good you're right on the gamma and we're not going to get into the specifics of it, but what Thank happens God. is this. Okay. There are zero days to expiration options. They literally expire at the end of the day. They expire to cash. You don't have to exercise them. Okay. Like, so they, well, they can, there's different expirations. So if all of a sudden at two 30, somebody bought the at the money puts that expire in an hour and a half and they bought a lot of them. Okay. And they might've bought a, a lot of other ones and some other names, some of the the, the details that I saw, there's a great um, Baycrest report out about this. I'll send it to you guys. You can put it in your show notes, okay? Um, and it was talking about this behavior that late in the day, heightened complacency. The VIX was at 12 and a half. You know what I mean? Think about that, right? And like, everything's the dollar's down, all the stuff that we think about yeah. that are like, you know what I mean? Like risk on. Hard conditions for And, for and so you can use a tiny amount of notional value. You get a couple dealers who sell those options to you off sides. They scramble to hedge. They might do it in other expirations, okay, with um, in, in the SPY, this was in the SPY. They may hedge with futures, and that might cause a chain reaction of other things, especially in a low volume. So you think it's intentional?
0: Oh yeah. Oh somebody, somebody I, wanted to create volatility yeah, and, and this profit is, off. This of is it coming in the last to a hour.
1: theater near you next year, and I'm going to tell you why. There are going to be all these funds, these quant funds. They're going to be probing these sorts of. They look for inefficiencies, right? It has nothing to do with fundamentals. It has to do with market structure. It has to do with where. The retail is obsessed yeah, with. Like we, I, I know a kid in California. He's a senior. He's going to college next year. Okay, he wakes up really early to trade zero days to expiration options. Think about that. He's 18 years old. It's the new. It's the new trading NFTs or shit coins or this and that, or whatever. So all those things came to an end. I mean, we know that, right? Meme stocks, all this sort of stuff. So something's going to happen next year. There's going to be some sort of what, event. like a Lageddon type thing. Yeah, I mean, and listen, and, and you know. It, Like, no one complains. Guy just said this on the pod, and I think it's a great point. No one complains on the way up when all of this is adding, like, an underlying bid to the market. But do we think that that's what's happening?
0: Do we think that that's what's happening also at the same time is that the the grind higher over the last two months or so is – um being aided and abetted by options activity
1: well I think some of this if you look at some of the most actively traded options on any given day their options that expired at the end of the day but they're also a lot of very short dated mm-hmm. so if you're looking at it in the indices or if you're looking at um sector you know like sector options it is vol suppressing right so a lot of folks you know would say um you know, it doesn't have to be that way. People are always buying options, but if the market's going higher, complacency is rising, right? And there's not a lot of demand for downside. Then if everyone gets to one side of the boat, it does have the potential yeah. to get things haywire. And now we have the ability to just go and hedge with futures in a really easy way. Retail has those sorts of abilities. So if a lot of people have lots of different options in which to speculate, but also hedge and everyone runs for the door at the same time, that's the only reason why. Stupid
0: question. Cause yeah. I don't know any better. 43% of, of daily options trading is in zero date. Uh, does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: I, it could be, yeah. I, don't I think, that, the I think that's
0: the case right now. And that's really, really elevated. It's tough for something that expires in an hour to create a lasting phenomenon on the market. If there is some sor- sort of incident, then the next day, people
1: just don't put those trades in <laughs> to the same
0: extent, and right. then the, on the third day, it's like it never happened.
1: No, that that's smart, except for the fact that go back and remember what it feels like. We've just had eight consecutive weeks of the market going higher. We've had 10 of the last 11 days where the stock market went higher. There's periods where it goes the other way too, right? And sure. sometimes it's hard to remember that when you're in the throes of the sort of you know market environment, the sort of sentiment that we have right now. And I think what's interesting to me is that this market in 2023, and I think you guys would agree, has climbed a wall of work. You Twice. Right? Correct. Yeah. two You're yeah, And, you know, and, but there's still a lot of underlying sort of things that should make, you know, folks a little worried because like, I think we're getting to a point right now at the end of this year where visibility, visibility is not particularly great. You know what I mean? As it relates to companies and the guidance that they're giving. Um, I don't think the fed has it's a, a lot whole, better than it was. Is it
0: worse than, uh, usual?
1: Um, no, but if I look at the market in 2022 versus 2023, if I look at the economy in 2022 versus 20, they're like kind of mirror opposites of each other Correct. in a way. Yeah. So that leads me to believe, you know, that next year might be a bit more
2: challenging. Coming into 2023, it was unanimous. Everybody, money managers, retail, economists, yeah. CFOs, recession, everyone, recession. Yeah. Now, everyone, for the most part, agrees that we did it. We did this offline. landing. Yeah. So yeah, you're right,
1: Slade inflation, you know. I
2: want to ask you, we we yeah. we start by the way, what did you answer the reporter? Because I think my answer is better. What did you say? <laughs> I I either said delta or gamma. Okay, so after all of this, I just said it's it's noise. Yeah. Oh, I should have said that. Like what? Yeah, but, do, but, like but, what? Do you, you know that you, here, you, what's happening? Like what? The market was up. I don't even take these the market calls was up anymore. eight weeks in a row. It can't have a down day. Yeah, but if you guys
1: had someone call into your firm and just say, "Hey, what the hell happened today?" You would say it's noise. Yeah. But if you have somebody who's reading, uh, uh, you know, um, the Wall Street Journal to find out why the market reversed, you say, they, it's, I, a, it's a Greek letter. No, yeah. I'm so I'm so yeah. glad. I'm so <laughs> glad. Really smart. Dad,
2: I'm so <laughs> glad <laughs> you said this because yeah. we started that conversation. You were about to say something about RSI. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you. When, when something is overbought,
1: yeah.
2: it, now all this depends on your time frame. To me, as a not-a-day trader, that's bullish as hell. If there's an overwhelming amount of buyers versus sellers, yeah. I'd love that. Now, if I was a short-term trader, I might want to fade that enthusiasm, right? So it's, just, it, it's different time frames and people talking past each other. Yeah, I mean the time frame thing is really important because sometimes you know I,
1: I start out in the business with a short time frame and trying to find catalysts, whether they be fundamental inputs, whether they be events, you know a whole, a whole host of the technical things and everything. And, and part of the goal was just to have like a pretty big toolbox, right? And and if you learn how to kind of play the momentum and understand investor psychology and sentiment that sort of thing, and there's ways to make money doing that, right? And then try to apply that skill set though to longer term investing. It's really try really hard to definitely- try to apply apply speaking to about the markets every day, right? To an investment process. You know what I mean? That's longer. I know you, I don't mean struggle with it, but I know that oftentimes when you're asked on the set of halftime report, right when the markets something's going on, your one half of your brain is thinking about the sort of things that you talk to clients about every day. The other half is like if you're a sociopath who's tuned in at twelve thirty to watch CNBC because you care about what's going on in the markets, you care right now. So right? I would and say Josh happen, doesn't right? struggle. I
2: would say Josh is the best in the world at better than at who? towing that line but, but, between the show right now. between contextualizing yeah. for investors, but also. Putting it in like, okay, this is happening today and this matters, but how, does it really matter? Well, the question is
0: not, does it matter? The question is, is this an opportunity for people that don't care about this? Yeah, that's the way
1: I frame and almost these always the answer is no. So I, I um. I said this on our fast money call today at twelve thirty. So we played this little game in the beginning of the year. They ask us to do an acronym and come up with like four or five, you know, uh, the the initial letter of a stock and and then they grade you on the performance of that. It's you know, it's goofy, but like the the people love it or whatever. And mine this year was T S L Q. Okay. (laughs) So it was TLT. It was Lyft, it was Snap, and it was QQQ, and I've been saying this for two years. Okay, is wait, explain this. What Tesla, Snap, Lyft, and QQQs? When did you say? That? What is this? So, so this was the first week of January. Okay, mm. on CNBC's Fast Money, and that was my acronym. Okay, and so the point there for this past year. For this past year, how'd it go? So it went great. I'm winning. Okay, so so my my what I said of all of 2022, and I had people who work for me, young people, I said, the first seven grand that you have that you can put in an IRA that you didn't just go out and drink or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just dollar cost average Qs and twos. And I say twos like for TLT. Okay. Like, like, and, and do it anyway. And, and the whole idea is, is like, if you just dollar cost average it, when you guys were in our pod in late, I think in the spring, I said, when we started Q2 after a pretty rocky period, yep. I was like, if you just dollar cost average, the QQQ for every trading day from April, you know, May and June, you're 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 going to be a good spot, especially if you have a long-term timer. So my only point is like that's what everybody should be doing, okay? Like what, I,
0: coming up with like a shorthand for what they think the theme would be no, of the coming year. Yeah, but just dollar cost. I, I don't hate that. You want to hear mine? Yeah. Okay. Mine well, that's is, not what they want. Go ahead. Mine is no, no. It's important. J E W M. Yeah. Jeffrey Epstein was murdered. <laughs> oh
2: my God. Think about what it. <laughs> is
0: happening.
1: It's just think, no, why?
2: Stop. I know. Dan, but people want stock picks. I they want well, short picks. Why give them the
1: picks? So w- w- what I said is, do, do as so I what's say. Wrong with
0: you? Do as I, do <laughs> as... <laughs> are you really think he killed himself? Why randomly would he all of a sudden... He's been up Cut against his, his allegations his for eight years. All right. One night, all of a sudden, yeah. he decided this is the night. So, so who Dan, did you it? were saying? Who Unlikely.
1: Who did it? We know who did it. Yeah. I'll tell you can't yeah, name names. Um... So my, my only point was Qs and twos, dollar cost average them. And then I thought... Snap? That, Great I mean, call about Can the I way. tell you why I said Snap and Lyft because I thought there would be strategic M&A for some of these... Somebody should buy A. that Lyft no, thing. Uh, no, I, I know. Just Google should buy it just for the data. You know, I mean, like, whatever. Yeah. And, and then Snap... No, they should not. There's nothing there. But that's fine. They will get bought, ultimately. Maybe for parts. Private you know equity. I mean. Like, yeah. so like Listen, like, but my point was that was the theme. And then the other part of the... This was the double entendre. TSLQ was the Tesla inverse Q. Tesla. And I was dead right on the fundamentals of this company this year. LOL, I was on fundamentals. Get the f*** out of here. On. Of Tesla.
2: <laughs> <laughs> dead
1: wrong, dead wrong on the stock performance. All that being said, okay, they have had three consecutive dis- disappointments. Their earnings are gonna be down 25% year over year. Their gross margins have gone from 25% to 18%, okay? They're gonna miss their delivery. Aspect. Dan, I love you, but yeah.
2: we know you don't get paid on fundamentals. Okay,
1: but but what I do get paid on is having sound analysis. Okay, and I'm wrong a lot. And anybody in this market who tells you they're not wrong that much, they're full of shit. Okay, so here's the thing. Like you have to have a fundamental grounding for any reason of you're going to buy or sell something, even if you're selling something after you've already bought it. And so like, listen, you could get the fundamentals wrong and the stock price right. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who bought the stock right now, but it comes back to time horizons, right? right? So margins have just contracted massively as um, you know competition has increased. And then all of a sudden, maybe there's some issues in China. I'm not railing against this thing. I actually said on Fast Money the other day that there's a good chance that the fundamentals bottom out at some point early next year, all of like, what they got wrong is they thought there was going to be lots of price elasticity. They've been cutting prices for these cars. I know somebody who bought a Model Y for 67 grand a year ago. You can buy that same car for $47,000. Is, that how, is yes. that how much they've, they've cut. been killing? And you've lost the subsidy along the way. And, and let me tell you something. The more Trump goes up in the polls, how, how likely do you think there's going to be a $7,500 EV subsidy in in, in in Trump 2.0 administration? So there's yeah. lots of headwinds for this company. Here's the other thing this stock went into the s&p 500 exactly 3 years ago at $232 it's trading at $255 it's barely the, up the s&p is up 30% mm. yeah okay so like so to me it is about time frames fundamentals do matter especially if you're picking stocks not if you're trading them not if you're trading zero days to expiration. not if you're trading weeklies and well, tesla well on
0: tesla on on we'll move on at this but on tesla specifically this is a way better stock to have bearish commentary on than actual bearish positions. You agree with that? <laughs> yeah, because okay. I lost a lot of money this year. <laughs> uh, all right, I want to do this chart of the year because it it ties into what we were saying before, how mirror how how completely opposite twenty three was from twenty two. Sam Rowe said this is his chart of the year. I love it. This is from UBS, uh, Jonathan Golub, and it shows economists' forecasts for GDP growth in twenty twenty three. Uh, uh, how they evolved over the last two years. And Sam says, quote, the GDP chart below highlights the improvement in economic growth that we've experienced over the course of 23. So I don't I don't remember another year that looked like this. So wait, for the listener, you, the in, chart, ja- in January of 2022- It went straight down all year. In January of 2022, people were looking for 2.5% growth for this year. It spent all of 22 collapsing basically to zero- and then in January of this year, it ratchets right back up to where it started. doesn't from. always
2: work with the story, but that's the SP I mean, 500. That's, that's the stock market chart.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, this it's is consumer confidence. It's everything. So Fed Chair Powell told us last week at his presser that they're expecting 1.4% next year. So if the stock market went up this year 23%, the SP 500, the NASDAQ went up 50% on a just back to 50? where. The NASDAQ 100 is up 50%. Yeah. So so think about that. So this V reversal, we're back to that kind of leveling off period from January of 2022. That happens to be the all-time high in the S&P 500 at 4,800. This is why I think next year is much harder. You know what I mean? Like, Can I so show you, you one BTFD, thing, though? for folks. Uh, next chart, please. Let me remind you, sir.
0: Uh-oh. We should, the NASDAQ should not be up 50% this year in the face of this. Take a look. This is all of the rate hikes of this cycle. So this starts March of 22. You ready? 25 bips, 50 bips, 75 bips, 75 bips, 75 bips, 75, four in a row, 50, 25, 25, 25, 25. That is one hell of a rate hike cycle. That all took place between March of 22 and July of 23. We've endured a lot and stocks are still up as much as they are. So I can conclude one of two things. You tell me which one you think is closer to reality. Mm -hmm. Number one, stocks love rate hikes. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't like that one? Okay, here's another one. Number two, yes, there's more uncertainty going into this year. But one thing we know for sure, this is a very, very strong backdrop given all that we've endured. And probably the next move is
1: some of this starts coming off. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so, all right, so- The coming off part is the most important part. So the dot plots in that last Fed meeting suggest three rate cuts next year, right? And so if I go back, I entered the market. Is
0: that what it's saying now, three three, rate
1: rate cuts? And pulled forward to, I think, potentially March, okay? So think about this. This is another chart that Sam Rowe could have come up with. He probably did. He's very thorough. Um, You know, rate cuts were priced in – like this year. For this you know what year. I mean? Like yeah. the prior year. You know what I mean? So like, for instance, the Fed doesn't have a clue. No one's got a clue. Everyone's chasing. That's the point. They were chasing on the way down. They're chasing on the way up. That V-reversal in GDP expectations looks exactly like the S&P 500 from January 2022. It was at 4,800. It went down to 3,600. Right and now turn. it's back at 4,750. Incredible. So here's the Go one ahead. chart. And, I, and, and maybe I'll, I'll forward it to you guys. So I entered the markets in 1997. Okay, there's been rate hiking cycles into 2000. They paused. It was good for stocks for a bit. And then when they started cutting, it was lights out, okay? And then they came off that 1% bound and they started raising, right? Into 2007, they paused. It was great for stocks until it wasn't. And still they started cutting. S&P gets cut in half again, okay? So in my career, the rate hiking periods followed by a pause, good for stocks, okay? When they start to cut, Bad for stuff. Oh, wait a minute. Except for 2019,
0: which you conveniently left out. <laughs>
1: well, 2019, the economy was already at the risk. Hold on. The economy, first of all, it was gradual. That ra- in 2018, Josh, hold on a second. In 2018, yeah. the stock market dropped 20 percent in a straight line twice, from October okay to December, and the Fed pivoted. Okay, yeah. they pivoted, and then the stock market got back that in 2019. The yield curve inverted. Three, three rate, two rate cuts. In, in, wait, wait. Three rate cuts in 19. In nineteen, yeah, in the first qu- the first two quarters, okay, rate, because, cuts. The, because they were redoing what they Damn, did. Dan, the stock market went up thirty percent that year. Yeah, and it went down. I mean, it was the only down year those, that we but had since. Those
0: 2000. were like and those were no, rate. it didn't go down. In twenty nineteen, the Fed cut rates. The market did not fall. It went up thirty percent, and in fact, rallied into COVID. Was continuing to rally in 2020. So I'm just saying that's that's an exception to that. I get the story. If the Fed's cutting, there's probably something really wrong.
1: It's just not always. That 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 would be my only caveat. Yeah, just not always. Okay, they land the plane and then they had to cut to zero. Well, but that's not a a Fed. I mean. Yes, they had to cut to zero yeah. because it was co-
0: here's, it
2: was COVID. Here's what's undeniable: the the market is optimistic. This is S and P 500 win these, uh, weekly win streaks. We're now this is going to be the eighth that looks straight super week. Super copy. Yeah. So the market is obviously expecting good news to persist. Whether or not it does, obviously, will remains to be seen.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I used uh, Google Bard for this. Uh-oh. Fun fun fact: ChatGPT is pretty. F- Friggin' useless for what we do for a living 100% they, uh chat three three 3.5 will not include anything that has to do with stock market even most economic data it's throttling the utilization and it just won't include answers so I, I used BARD for this and what I basically did as a prompt is I said please make a list of the five best up the most and five worst meaning down the most days of 2023 for the US stock market These dates must be from the year 2023 only. I highlighted all the stuff. The computer f***ed up. um, But it's a pretty decent list. So the best days of this year, we had a day in January, the first day of the year, January 3rd, Mm -hmm. might have been the second day. I don't know. uh, Up 3%, 3 3.09%. That was, and they'll give you the reason, optimism for a new year and positive earnings reports. Good call. April 5th. This is coming out of uh, the bank crisis. Upbeat jobs data and a potential shift in the Fed's aggressive rate hike policy. Uh, July 26th, up two and a half. And then December 5th, up. remember that day up two and a half percent on positive retail sales? Mm -hmm. That was the soft landing day. Uh, And then they say December 22nd, which is weird because today's the 21st. So I think they're pulling in last, uh, the the prior year. So they screwed that up. So I highlighted it. Then you do the worst days. I won't go through them all. Uh, They have the Russian invasion of Ukraine which clearly did not happen in February of 2023. Happened in 22. Yeah. And then they include the collapse of cryptocurrency as the fifth worst day, November 9th, 2023. Nobody's perfect. That was the year before. My point is, I asked for 10 things from Bard. Yeah. I asked for 10 things from ChatGPT They gave me zero. Yeah. They said, sorry, we can't do that. I asked for 10 very simple things from uh, Bard. It got on the surface- three of 10 very obviously wrong and just made up a lie anyway to give me an answer. When you see stuff like that, you don't really get that concerned about this AI stuff really manifesting itself within the economy, taking
1: white-collar jobs. I I just don't think Well, I think there's two things that um, we want to break down. So that is a large language model that's being used for a consumer who's used to putting garbage in and getting garbage out at Google and the like or Bing or whatever your service is. I- Get concerned about the folks who are infinitely smarter. They're thinking about generative AI models away from large language, consumer-facing sort of things, how to integrate that technology to advance the processes that they are using in their products and services. You know what I mean? Like that's what the smart guys are working on, not on chatbots. The, you la- what I mean? the like, layer,
0: though, that's they're, yeah. they're building a layer on top of large language models. Yeah.
1: But I think one of the stories that you're going to hear, and one of the reasons why I think probably Alphabet's going to play catch up to the Microsoft OpenAI narrative in 2024 is that um, they did not, they bookended this year by a really bad barred introduction in January or February. I think it was the first week of February. The a great Genesis and, launch. And then this Gemini, um, you know, um, Ge- like Gemini, launch yeah. that they had just a couple of weeks ago wasn't particularly great, but the stock just made a new 52-week yeah. high. The stock trades at a much more favorable valuation, That you know, to microsoft for instance now microsoft obviously um doesn't own open ai for all intents and purposes and you know google has said that they're an ai first company for six or seven years i think sundar bachow will like and, and the the folks there i think they'll probably get some things right in 2024 Did you notice
0: yesterday when the whole market got killed alphabet was green yeah and it was on it it was on an ai advertising headline yeah they're, they're putting reoriented. their whole digital yep. ad business into the yep. ai stuff yeah uh, I think you'd be right on that. It's cheap enough. I'm long, I'm long the stock. I'm not long my. It's cheap
1: enough to make a relative bet if you think even that some of this stuff is like kind of long in the tooth. Um, I want to make one other comment. I know it's your show. I just want to go back to 2019 for a second because I think this is really important. Okay, so the Fed started coming off their zero interest rate policy in late 2015. Okay, Fed Chair Powell is actually appointed by Trump in 2017, and he goes on this autopilot raising 25 basis points every other quarter. Trump hates it, okay, right? They also enacted this um, tax cut, right? So they all of a sudden, they supercharged the economy, right, with this tax cut. Things were getting a little overheated. That gave... That gave Powell the confidence to keep raising. But it wasn't until 2018, we had this global growth scare late in the year. And it was China, it was emerging markets, and the stock market started getting killed. And that's why they pivoted. Yeah. That's why they cut it. This is the most important part about this, why I think about next year in 2024, why 2018 and 19 wasn't a good analog. We had, I think it was 2.2% GDP growth in 2018. 2017, it got to 2.9% in 2018, powered by the rate or by the tax cuts. Okay. And then it fell back to 2.3% in 2019. The 210 inverted. They started cutting because of weakness in the economy. And this is really important. I saw you on Scott's show right after the Fed presser the other day. You came on after Jeffrey Gunlock. Jeffrey Gunlock thinks that when the fed starts to cut they're going to have to cut aggressively next year because of weakness there's this whole cobble of folks out there what did he say
0: there. like if they cut by 25 basis points they're going to have to cut 2% or something yes
1: and so the, mm-hmm. so the so the one point why i think it's great that you bring that up okay 2019 but if things do start to weaken and again i'm not an economist i don't know okay the last time i was on here i think the headline the title was Dan Nathan predicts recession. Okay. Okay. You nailed that one. Okay. I predicted it. It didn't happen. I think I went, I went back and listed that pod. It was a great pod, by the way. Um, and you know, we didn't say, you know, you're a fan favorite here. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I love being here. Um, so, so that was why I wanted to make that point. So there's a lot of folks who think that the fed, when he said we are going to have to start cutting before we get to our 2% inflation target, a lot of people think that they think there's bubbles or there's, there's issues bubbling up maybe in private credit it maybe in some maybe there's some geopolitical thing or whatever so that's the only point i want to make is that the markets are pricing now a soft landing that's no doubt. what they're pricing no doubt. you know what i mean i totally agree so that, that's all i, I just want to like make 100 percent okay. agree with you
0: okay uh ed Danny, a dozen reasons to be bullish in 2024 only a dozen uh is 12 not enough
1: i and i like ed he he does great work and and he's Generally optimistic. Is that fair? Like mm-hmm. you guys have followed him for a very long uh, time. General, generally optimistic, and
0: that's actually been the right posture, yeah. uh, at least in in recent memory. Which do you think are the most likely of these or which are the most suspect? Ready? Yeah. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just give you the headlines. Interest rates are back to normal. So the normalization theory implies the Fed might not lower interest rates next year as much as widely expected. But that's actually a good thing because it means the economy doesn't require
1: them to ease uh at all i mean well, could that be that would be a reemerge in inflation and why would inflation reemerge? Um, either the economy is really strong. And, oh, so if there's
0: it, no inflation reemerging, then we are getting cuts, period? 100%. Absolutely. Okay. Because okay. then
1: because then, what happens is, think about this. If inflation gets to their target and they have kept rates where Real they rates are, are then it's really restricted. Yeah. And then do. it runs the risk that you actually have a material slowdown. Yeah. And they do not want to be behind the curve on Correct. that. Because then they've got transitory wrong in 2021, right? And then they were some folks- too, too too tight and they- yeah. Okay, I'm with you. Consumers
0: have purchasing power. How tired are you here? this yeah (laughs) uh 40 percent of small business owners reported they have job openings
2: wait hang on how is this bullish how is he saying how is this bullish many consumers may soon run out of their excess saving as the economy naysayers are saying nevertheless that's how most of them are likely to continue
0: to
1: consume as long as job security remains high
2: okay I agree with that. We him. know that's true. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like well, talk
1: to anybody. Okay, so one of the things I think is really interesting, I think that the jobs market is kind of being bifurcated right now. So talk to anybody um, who does um, a knowledge job, okay? So if you were one of the people who benefited from all these big tech platform companies in 2020 and 2021, hiring like drunken sailors and bidding up things in this, whatever, and you've just lost your job over the last year, um, it's been really hard to find another really good job Yeah. At one of these. truck like, driver can get hired in a second. You're right. You're uh, right. So if you're if you're an associate editor at Condé
0: Nast, yeah. for three hundred thousand dollars a year, yep. you're not getting another yep. version of that job anywhere. Yep. I'm hundred percent with you on that. Are you following a firm and the news flow now about people are buying groceries at Walmart with buy now pay later? Yeah, at the they're now taking buy now, pay later at the register. That's a story. Why
1: why are they doing it? Because they've maxed out their credit cards. So think about that. It's really dangerous, okay? And it's really scary. And so Walmart just did this deal with a firm, and hopefully they're going to put like, maybe it's gonna be large, like the sort of stuff. If you. Dude, if you could, need to pay later for groceries, you're not in but good may, shape. But maybe it's not groceries. Maybe they're allowing you to um, buy a, a flat screen TV or a computer. Like, they have, like, you know, like hard goods. You know what I mean? I know 50% of the stuff at yeah. Walmart is groceries. I, I, let's hope that's the case because that would mean that the consumer, the lower end consumer, is really tapped because they're out of credit and this is one of the last places to do it. Or it's just a smarter way. It, so, uh, or it's just a better alternative
0: than a 28% APR MasterCard swipe. It's just
1: smarter. Um, is yeah. that That's possible too. Yeah. I do, I do think it's interesting that um, this is a stock, of firm that was priced to go out of business. It was down 95% from its all time highs about a year stock ago. stock is incredible. Yeah. And and now it's up, you know, it's gone from five to, um, you know, 50 or something like that in a straight line. I this saw year. something
0: about the short sellers on Twitter. I hate this guy. Max Levchin what's yeah. his name
1: Yeah Levchin he was so, a PayPal founder
0: So so they hate for whatever reason he's like a new the new Elon the more oh, really? the stock goes up Yeah they're getting they're getting really mad
1: that the stock is working I don't know why though I haven't read So this is really interesting. This was in the New York Times, I think, yesterday. Okay. Okay. The fact that it was in the New York Times. It wasn't in Barron's. It wasn't in the Wall Street Journal. It wasn't on Bloomberg. It wasn't on CNBC.com. Americans may be uh, taking on too much pay-later phantom debt. And it was talking Mm. about this in the New York Times. Okay. So this is one of the top stories that I saw on the front page of the New York Times. Do we have numbers? Uh, Jeez, no one said there's going to be any math here. Um, Estimates, the size of this market uh, vary widely. Um, spending through pay later options was about $46 billion this year. Uh, that is a small compared to more than three children, uh, trillion that Americans had on their credit cards last year. Okay. But it's growing. And and, and, and I think the more awareness it is, the more people are going to take up on it. And especially with rates higher. I know that the 10 year has gone from five to 3.9%. The mortgage, 30 year mortgage has gone from eight to 6.9% or whatever. Those credit card rates, they're not moving. So uh, like the New those- York
0: Times reader is not going to read that and say, I should start doing buy now, pay later. You know when we're in trouble when, like, Kevin O'Leary has commercials for his own, like, buy now, Kev later. Like, you know what I mean? That's when you know it'll have gone too far. I don't give a Don't edit that
1: shit out. Leave that in. Will that be on the Uh, blockchain? Dude, I And purchase through gold? I'm I'm, I'm this
0: this close to just going all the way. All right. (laughs) Households are wealthy and liquid. $151 trillion in net worth in households. This is an undeniable bullish— now, it's not spread out. Yeah. We know it's haves and have-nots. Yeah, Nobody would four, deny. Yeah,
2: but this $40 billion in and pay later debt.
0: <laughs> yeah, $40 billion. So, I mean, you you have to admit that's not a bad setup. Yeah. That's not 2007. What else? All right. Uh, demand for labor is strong. Okay, self-evident. That could change. It just hasn't yet. We all stipulate. Okay. Yeah. Onshoring boom is boosting capital spending. This is the argument for buying the cats and the deers and mm-hmm. the, you know. Caterpillar,
2: which, all-time high. Yeah,
0: but by not the way, fish, deer do you was believe in this story or not really? Deer
1: was trading at a 52-week low a month and a half ago.
0: The onshoring boom and the federal government's increased spending on public infrastructure are boosting new orders for construction machinery, which is up 30.5% over the 24 months ending October. True story. Oh. Yeah. True story. Okay. Housing is all set for a recovery. Do you believe this? Yes. I think I do. Just
1: purely on the demand side. Only happens if unemployment doesn't go higher. Wait, but mortgage rates are dropping. Still six point nine percent for a thirty year fixed. Okay.
0: That all right, question mark. Uh corporate cash flow is at a record high. Three point four trillion dollars during Q three twenty twenty three. Um sorry. But still, this is uh this is real.
1: Yeah. So the corporate stuff is interesting to me. These companies, especially the ones with lots of cash, they're finally earning a return on it. Um, they've been cutting costs, good for margins, uh, input costs hopefully are coming down, like all that. So the dollar coming down, like you could make a very good argument that um, corporate profits are, you know, basically we had the profit recession, the stock market in 2022 Big uh, time. discounted yeah. that in 2023, the year that actually profits are expected to be flat. I think facts that has S&P earnings in 2023, like, up less than 1%, but consensus is calling for up 11% next year. So let's say we end up somewhere in the high single digits, you know, like you tell me the stock market, Feels a little bit expensive at 19 and a half times. Yeah, did we, did we, did we, are we pricing that in that
0: 11% in right now?
1: Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, and, and I think you guys are probably aware of this, like in the lows in October of 2022, you know, X, the Mag seven or the top 10 names or whatever, like most of their SP was trading at like 13 G- or 14 G- times yeah. earnings. It was trading at a Trump multiple, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, like, that's important. But I guess, you know, a lot of folks, and this is the thing, I have a lot of issues with this, okay? So, a lot of people will say, well, over the last 50 years, you know, when we come out. of a bear market, the prior leadership is not going to lead again. I don't know how, if you just look at the weightings of these names, I don't know how those top 10 stocks, most of them can't continue to be the leaders because energy is low single digits. Financials is too small to matter. They're too small to matter. And then you think about these companies, they are moving into every part. They're just so disruptive. You don't even think about an Amazon. They just move into whatever they want. You know what I mean? Like, you know, um, uh, you know, so to me, again, I think they have to lead. I'm not saying all of those stocks are going to be the top 10 stocks, five or 10 years from now, but at least half of them. are. So
0: can I tell you, uh, Ken Langone is on record saying, um, Eli Lilly is probably going to become the world's first trillion dollar drug company. That's a non-fang. Nvidia was not yeah. in this group of stocks until 2 years ago. We can stipulate that. Yep. So there is some leadership change. It's just not like Apple and Microsoft coming down.
2: Netflix got shadow banned from the from the All right, the let's seven. let's keep going.
0: Inflate number 8. Inflation is turning out to be transitory. Open question and people would probably say transitory after 2 years.
1: Yeah, it's all cumulative. Right. We just did the math, right? So yeah. um, like, you know, 3% this year is still a lot. But if you're still somebody, a lot yeah. relative it's to the last 15 It's dumb a few phrase. Years.
2: Inflation wasn't transitory. Prices have stopped all rising. Right.
0: The high-tech yeah. revolution is boosting productivity. Not a lot of people talking about this, but if all this AI shit turns out to be meaningful to the real economy this year, productivity will improve.
1: Yeah, I would say this, though, that if you think about this, I know I see everybody in your office here at Ritholtz Wealth Management. Um, a lot of businesses ha- still have hybrid work things that is massively unproductive. I mean, like, so the three days that they're at in their office, they could probably get everything done that they're doing their five days because they're not doing anything on Mondays and Fridays when they're not in the office. So I think we have a huge productivity issue as far as- so. Maybe that, your employees, no, speak for yourself. No, Our no, employees no, are working their ass no, off. No, no, My no. people grind. I just said they're all here, but what I'm they're saying- They're not all here. Okay. Half of them remote. Okay. But maybe, you know, Use you guys are have. a customer facing sort of business. Okay. Yeah. And you're talking to a lot of people. I, I mean, there's a lot of processes that, you know, people are just like, when, even when they're in their office, they're made to look busy. I think 20 something olds are to- really I lazy. I agree that and there's th- a lot of bullshit going so on. So I think that just naturally, I think these companies are going to continue to call. Okay. I think that it was a land grab in 2021 and they could actually, it was easy to hire people that were remote. You didn't have to do all this stuff on premise and all that sort of stuff. I think they're going to continue to call a lot of these people
0: All right, my last ones uh leading indicators are mostly misleading well you can take lei and throw it in the garbage uh i think at this point uh the recession signals are just misfiring to the point where it's not usable yeah so that's that's my so, can, that's
1: my opinion all right so can i turn this whole thing upside down for a second well okay. let me give you the last ones oh.
0: the rest of the world's challenges should remain contained i would contained say is a key word, come continued? on c- come on yeah uh Roaring 2020s will broaden the bull market. So, I guess this is a call on, like, Moore's participation. I don't know. All
2: right. Go ahead. Kelly Cox had a great chart showing that this is a very unusual bull market that we're living through. 71% of S&P 500 constituents are underperforming the benchmark this year. That is the highest it's been this century. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably the highest ever. And when she looked at it, she broke it down sector by sector. The only sector that is outperforming where the majority of, of components are outperforming the S&P, I mean, this is not news to anyone, it's tech. So 93% of utilities are underperforming, 90% of, of REITs, 97% of consumer staples, uh, 91% of energy. The only stocks that are outperforming themselves because the size disparity, it's tech stocks. We know that. However, however, I was looking yesterday. When all this, when all the, the Dow is going down because all of this nonsense mm-hmm. noise, these are the companies within three percent of their all time high. Costco, Broadcom, Arista Networks, Arista Networks, Mastercard, Nvidia, Marriott, Hilton, Waste Management, Lululemon. These are just S and P companies, by mm-hmm. the way. Lamb Research, General Dynamics, Ameriprise, Booking Holdings, Visa, Apple, Phillips sixty six, Ross Stores, Chipotle, Caterpillar, Service Now, United Rentals. Pulte Group, McDonald's, Microsoft. These are all of the companies with the 3%, out of their 52-week high, of their all-time oh, high. That. All-time high. So all of the data about companies underperforming the S&P, it's because these companies are so big, the winning ones. Apple is up 50% this year. It doesn't mean the rest of the market is falling apart. If anything, the market is telling you that things are pretty good.
0: And those are a lot of sectors. I kind of take there. the
2: opposite side of that because, you know, like, so. I find that hard to believe. Go ahead. Uh, no, but but so
1: the RSP, the Equal 8 S&P, is still down 5% from its all-time highs. The S&P is within, you know, earshot, like a one, 1%. one um, percent. It's interesting that you mentioned Microsoft and Apple, they make up 14 and a half percent of the S&P 500. Two stocks, 14 wow. and a half percent. They're at their all-time highs. They're $6 trillion
2: in market cap. You don't know say, but they're like 20 businesses combined, but back to yeah.
1: you. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, so, but like, so, you know, Google, uh, Amazon, Meta, uh, Netflix, Tesla. These guys are—they're all still well below. Th- so you could look at it both ways. You could say there is fire. There, there is fuel in the tank. You know what I mean. If there is reasons to buy those stocks, and some of them are very cheap, Google and Meta, and you know what I mean, still that sort of thing. Um, but you could also say they're—they're they're basically underperforming the major industry you know, on a relative basis versus the all-time high. I mean, there's different ways to look at it. I was actually looking at a lot of what Cali was looking at too, and I was quoting this a couple times over the last few weeks. On the day of the Fed meeting, I looked at the top—the the 500 S&P 500 stocks there was only, um, there were 210 of them that were down on the year that day. Okay. So this was what, two weeks ago or November, or December 13th or something like that. There was 140 of them to your point. I think that gets you to the 71% that were underperforming the S and P performance. So there was a lot of stocks in the, in the largest index in our country that were trading really poorly. You could say it's about, I don't know. I I don't know. I I mean, like to me, they should be reflective of their earnings um, potential and, and what's gone on and but a lot of companies a lot of sea levels they're not bullish like they're being cautiously optimistic when they're being optimistic right have you you guys look at a lot of transcripts you listen to Yeah but a lot if of the you look reports. at the percentage
0: of new highs it's building yeah in uh equal weight in Russell
1: it's it, like yeah, it's but the Russell it's so, was a th- up. two year low Josh 2 weeks ago or, right, or, or, or a month and a half ago, excuse me. Okay, like a month and a half ago. It looked like death, and it's still 20% from its all-time highs in 2021. If the Russell can't break so you out of this you don't 18-month think range— You don't think
0: it's bullish, though, for more and more of the components within the Russell to start hitting 52-week highs? Like, no, it is bullish. Of it needs to bullish. improve, obviously.
2: I, I I think that the market's going to overheat next year. I think there's like a, r- a real possibility. Like right out of the gate. Mike's so? risk
0: is that things get too, no, good too fast.
2: I, I think that there's a non-zero percent chance that mortgage rates continue to fall with inflation. Mm-hmm. The housing market just explodes. Stocks go nuts. The IPL window opens up and we overheat next year and the, the Fed has to hike.
1: IPO is really interesting. So you guys tell me, we have the NASDAQ that's up 50% on the year. We had Clavio, we had Instacart, we it's had Arm. I mean, like, if you can't bring an IPO in a market like this, when the hell are you going to do Next it? Next year,
2: 2024 is year. Well, think about this.
1: How many tech IPOs have actually performed particularly well since 2017? No, no appetite. Like, it's you know, amazing. You know what I mean? like, so, yeah. so it's interesting to me. So people ask, when's Stripe going public or this or whatever? You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, if they don't need the cash and they have other ways to kind of get their um, VCs and, and their employees, you know what I mean, kind of liquid, maybe maybe that's a new trend. Maybe like like private for longer. So know? here's
2: what happened this year. Apple up 50%. Yep. Added, we have a few charts, we're going to talk about Apple. Added almost a trillion dollars in market cap. Yep. They're not growing their revenue. What happened was the stock was trading at 21 times earnings to start the year. It's trading at 31 times earnings at the end of the year. Yeah.
0: So this is Barron's cover story, which they put out today. And the gist of it is, uh, the title is Apple needs new growth to justify its soaring stock. It won't be easy. There is no growth story at Apple. Services are growing, but hardware is slowing faster. Uh, Revenue growth is negative multiple quarters. They haven't had a big product release since 2016 with the AirPods. Um, But the services growth is just more profitable than hardware. Mm -hmm. So the stock has been bid and they are just buying back shares hand over fist. And whatever they're not buying, Berkshire Hathaway is. And that's how you have a stock go from 20 to 30 times earnings with no growth in the course of this year, which is what's happened. So Savitz at Barron's is saying like,
1: okay, but seriously, now what? Yeah. So great – conversation to be honest with you. So a trillion dollars in market cap for a company whose margins are flat, their earnings are flat, um, you know, mid single digits, revenue growth, um, lots of competition. China is a huge potential problem for them. Shadow banning of their, you know, of Apple iPhones, you know, by government workers, which could extend, um, you know, reshoring is expensive for them. It should kind of be a hit on margins. Their phones are evolutionary. Listen, I love their, I do love their products. Okay. But this is an iPhone 12. We're on 15, okay, and it works great. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, just saying. So, I, I agree with that. The services thing, every time Epic wins a, a, a Google thing or this and that, or whatever, that, that is going to be a pressure on services and their take rate on that, right? So, if that's the story why we've got 10 turns from 20 to 30 times or whatever with flat. So, to me, Apple seems challenges, but I'm looking at this and I love this spreadsheet. It's on the Apple Investor Relations. Since 2012, when Tim Cook came in and took over for Steve Jobs, they instituted the buyback and the dividend. They have, you ready for this? They have bought back six hundred and thirty billion dollars for the stock.
0: It's incredible. They have
1: returned in dividends one hundred and fifty billion dollars. Okay, so do that math. That's eight hundred and twelve. How many companies in the S and P five hundred have an eight hundred billion dollar market cap? Ten. Yeah. Okay. Like 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 it's it's truly astounding. Okay, so it's an asset class in among themselves. It brings me back to what you're talking about. That it's, a 71%. True unicorn. it's a true unicorn. So, so I yeah. think passive investing, and you guys know this better than me, like I think it's changed the game. You could have hundreds of stocks down on the year, in the S&P 500 and the S and P five hundred, and the S and is up twenty three percent. Because, and I also heard this. Who's this guy Felix Zoloff? He um, I saw it's him been on forever. Yeah. he's been bearish for thirty years. Okay, pay okay, like, no mind, like me. So it's my dad, um, brilliant so, guy, so, always negative. So, no, but there was just one stat that he said. So um, so thirty percent of passive investing money goes into the Mag seven. Okay, like so we just do that math. We know that they're thirty percent globally. Okay, the um, U.S. is 70% of global equity indexing, okay? So think about all that money that's indexed. It's going into Apple and Amazon and Google and... You know what I mean? Like all that sort of stuff. So we're, we're really hitting on something right now that none of us in our careers have ever faced. Like people have said, well, we've always had this concentration of some of the big names. I think that's what could be different. Like, have you ever seen those, the biggest stock in, in 1980, 90, 20, and it shows how like they've changed over time? I think there's a really good chance there's five or six of the top 10 stocks Dan, right now, 10 years from now are gonna be I, I agree 10. with you. It's not gonna My, be- Michael it's not, thinks that too.
2: It's not going to be because of index funds though. It's just- Index funds are not creating Apple's dynamism. These aren't shitty businesses. Hold on, listen, listen. These are incredible businesses. A few things. Number one, you're right. Index funds are obviously, the flows are undeniably massive. The index percent of overall trading activity on a daily basis is in the single digits. Active traders are Mm -hmm. still setting prices, number one. Number two, index fund flows did not stop in 2022 and Amazon lost 55%. Yeah. Google lost 50%. This is a fucking non-story. Meta down 70. It will it's a, it's not the index fund flows are not Okay, so keeping I, these. So what high. I think
1: is more important though is that Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. He's the CEO of five really important companies. Let's say three really important companies. Sundar Bachai, um, Satya Nadella, Tim Cook. They are more powerful and more influential than most heads of state that we have in our country. I think that's what's changing. So take all these like these sci-fi dystopian things like Blade Runner and stuff like that. You know what I mean? The, the, the leaders of those like really effed up worlds going forward are not the elected officials. They're the people who run these multi, you know, gazillion Dude, who dollar thought companies. That Amazon
2: whatever. was going to own uh, Whole Foods and that, uh, Dan, and that these Dan, companies were going to dominate but, but Dan, streaming Dan, and Dan, Hollywood s- and sports.
0: I, s- I see your Sundar Pichai and your and your uh, Tim Cook, who honestly seems as, like both of those guys seem like lambs. Yeah. I, and I, I and I raise they're you, killers. J. Pierpont Morgan. They're, they're killers. And and uh, and and I'll give you, uh, I'll give you U.S. Steel. Do I'll you give think, you. You think like, the trustbusters
1: could take these guys down? We don't even blink an eye anymore when there's some regulatory FTC is suing that. Standard o- Standard Standard Oil fought trust
0: busting for like 20 years, and eventually trust busting won. He was like 90 years old at the time. It th- this is not th- these things have happened in the past. Yeah. I think I I'm think saying. the intelligence they got busted
2: up. Dan, the, intelli- the yeah. intelligent, AT&T, the intelligent, the intelligent air quote thing to say is look at history. The top 10 stocks there's always turnover. Yeah. It, what you're telling me is different this time. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Are these companies going to, are they, are well, they impenetrable forever? at
0: the top 10 of when you and I started our careers. It's Exxon, it's, um, it's banks, IBM. It's banks, it's banks and energy companies and IBM. Right. And Walmart. There's no, there's no analog to what these companies, and you said it, Amazon doesn't obey the rules. They, they're going to get into pharmacy now. Yeah. They just do whatever but they those, want. They're
1: absolute monopolies. You, but
0: you couldn't, you could make the case that GE was a conglomerate. IBM was not selling groceries, Right. Uh, so when you had that top ten, they looked pretty infallible. Mm-hmm. They ended up all being fallible. Yeah, um, and I think Enron might have been on that list at one point. Yeah.
2: Okay. And all these companies—Microsoft, Amazon, Google—they power the internet with their cloud computing. Like they are, their tentacles just keep spreading wider and wider and wider. Yeah. And there's no. Well, one you,
1: we're in agreement on that. One thing um, and I want to make this point because we just mentioned you know China with Apple. Um, I think the data, economic data in China. Um, And I think the deflationary readings that they're having, I think a huge risk that people are not focused on, and again, not an economist, and this is not a recommendation to buy or sell anything on this, I think that there is huge potential for them to export that deflation. What if this this whole, you know, race to 2% in inflation ends up being really deflationary, right? Like, and so think back before the pandemic, people were really worried. The Fed was dying to get inflation up to 2%, yeah, right? Like not do it. Right. So, right. So, so what I worry is, is that, and think about like what's gone on over there. I mean, there's stock markets in shambles. Look at the, I mean, shanghai is very near 52-week lows the fxi which is heavy those big tech leaders banks and some Mm -hmm. industrials they trade horribly they're trying to support that economy it's not working you know going back to that conversation about 2018 it was a global growth scare about china back to 15 and 16 you remember all that volatility that we had in the summers into the q1 of 16 all about china think about their reluctance potentially if China is, or if Apple is moving away right to India and some of these other manufacturing areas, if they're reorienting these supply chains, then the Chinese may just say, "You know what? Screw them." You know what I mean? Absolutely, screw them. You know what, what I mean? Of, what percent of Apple's
0: uh, revenue twenty percent? A lot. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. important. It's important. Dan, okay. it's the last
2: episode of the year. Uh, High or lower next year? Um, interesting. Uh, you know, I was really
1: wrong. I thought the potential that we'd have a really bad first half this year and and and, and end up, you know, probably other side of 5% either way. I think we're lower next year because I think of the volatility that we talked about um, as far as 2022 to 2023. I know election years are generally pretty good. I, I think at some point we'll probably be down 10% next year. Well, yes,
2: of course. Does that makes sense? I We will have a 10% drawdown next because year. Because on average, there's yeah, always a,
1: a 10% or something like that.
2: But 20% higher.
1: You think 20% higher? Yeah, really? I do. 20% higher? I do. So you think this is like 95 I don't know what I think, so I don't know why I'm i would not that way.
2: I think that... I don't really have that. I'm I'm just going to go on and and say that I will probably be wrong uh, because predictions are impossible. But I I don't know what's going to knock the economy off track, and I think there's a possibility that just the market overheats and just people go nuts again.
1: Well, that brings me to China. I mean, I I just think that like a global slowdown with like like geopolitical hotspots, you know, like inflation that doesn't come down as quick. I think I think inflation going higher would really screw up a lot of. I think that's actually. I don't think it's the biggest risk.
0: But I do think it's the risk that could play the most havoc with the market. Can't you see – If the Fed has to restart a hiking cycle, we're going to lose huge multiple – on the, on the S&P. Well, what
1: if, Michael, what if, what if January 31st, when the Fed meets again, what if there are, like, it's probably too soon from December 13th, but what if there are, like, heightened inflationary fears or something like that, and then the Fed basically uses one word, like any, that sparked that rally, or you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And and takes that away and then says something a bit more restrictive or something. What do you think the S&P's going to do? It's going to drop 2% in a straight line. The market's you know, not you know,
2: going to go up 20% in a straight line next year. I mean, yeah. obviously. No, I agree. I, but yeah. can't you picture the headline that we see some scary stuff around the election season and Dow is up 1,100 points. Can't you see a dumb that headline? So,
0: that would be so on brand. Dow
2: hits record <laughs> high as chaos breaks, God forbid, yeah. but you know what I mean. Listen, I'd buy stocks
1: with two hands if you told me that the market's going to be up 20% heading into the November election and we're going to have a status quo in what goes on in Washington. Yeah, yeah. Like literally, uh, you know what I mean? But Dow, I
0: don't mean- Dow-, Dow soars as rebels yeah, yeah. encircle U.S. Oh, capital. Shit. You know he's the. You know he's All right, uh, you have fun on the show today.
1: I love this show. We I wanted. I wanted to give a quick shout out because a couple weeks ago you guys had Morgan Hounsell on. Yeah, okay? And I love know Morgan. he's a longtime friend of both of yours. And yeah. you guys did not talk a lot about his book, um, but I heard him on Preet Bharara's podcast. Stay tuned. I think last week or something. And I read the book it's immediately after
0: we listen to Preet Bharara's. I podcast. love Preet. Where are you okay, going that's with great. this?
1: Okay, that book was awesome. It's f- awesome, same lo- as ever? That's where I was loved going. It. Loved I, it. I, I loved it. Loved I loved it. The, the, it was just digestible. He's, I loved all the the narrative. Is he like he is? He's incredible. He literally the research that went into all of those different stories to make those cases. He was
0: collects amazing. them not,
2: and
1: he writes such beautiful. He writes so beautifully
0: around these great anecdotes. Yeah,
2: that's what I was saying. It's not. It's not just the knowledge, and of course. It's the way that he delivers it to the readers. It's, it's very, so yeah, digestible. it's very
0: straightforward yeah. and it's, he's not, he doesn't use three adjectives in a sentence where one will suffice the way I do. Yeah. And he also doesn't shift into the first person, which is another thing I do too much. Yeah, Like he, he will start a paragraph from one perspective and finish that paragraph in that same perspective. He's yeah. a,
2: he's a beautiful man. I love him. Uh, wait, I, before we finish, what's going on with Paramount? Just get us up to speed real quick. Uh, I don't know. You got to. You got to So take, jo- on, on, gotta Tuesday, on the Tuesday, wait, so- hold all right. on, Dan. On Tuesday, Josh is like talking about how Paramount's yeah, about. I'm like, there's no fucking <sighs> buyers yeah, for this yeah. shit. What are you talking Good about? Call. Good call, Michael. 24 hours later, water. Well, but it's in fairness, I it's, it's merging. Really, it's right. merging. It's not buying. I, I
0: am really following this story yeah. because I find it fascinating that we broke the cable bundle and now we're going to put it back together in just a new configuration. I think the most fascinating part of this pertains to the stock market in that what will ultimately happen is Amazon, Apple and Alphabet will own all Netflix, the entertainment Netflix, assets. Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. And Netflix.
2: By the way, if they merge that you don't win. Merging is not buying. What? If Paramount and Warner Brothers it, merge, I it's not- I close good.
0: enough. I think not, it's good. Not really. I, I, One I, of them will end up with the majority of the company. That's the buyer. Eh, so I, it's, it's a merger just, you know, of,
2: of, uh, uh,
1: of two unequals. I've been saying the exact same thing, uh, not specifically about these two things. That yeah. All these things will be rebundled, and then their handlers are going to be Apple TV or this and that whatever, and there's going to be a handful of different- It's not going to be Spectrum or Comcast or no, this no. or whatever. So I, I think that makes perfect sense. That's going to happen. These businesses run as uh, so, like a standalone- dude, Apple
2: and Amazon are taking over Hollywood. I know. Was that on your bigger card five years ago?
1: No. No, and it's not – forget Hollywood. Hollywood is not
2: even sports, the prize. Sports. sports.
1: Well, pro sports. So so what Netflix is doing with some of these live sports, that's the thing to about. Where do you think this is going? Yeah. Where do 2020? you think this ends? Yeah. They're just practicing. Right. The most genius thing that I saw this year on Friday – okay, this is Black Friday. NFL has never had a game on Black Friday, right? They had a game Amazon. that they gave for free – and they kept on doing all these celebrity drops of products, all these QR codes. That's the future. 100%. I mean, that was 100%. killer. I mean, I, I didn't enjoy it. I don't give a shit. But they are like, don't go to the mall. Don't go to the department store. Stay here. Watch this football game. Scan the game. QR code. Scan the yeah. QR code. Yeah, and this, yeah. is why, this is why I've been
0: bearish Disney. People are like, oh, uh, Amazon will just buy or Apple will just buy ESPN. They don't want all of Disney. But they'll just buy ESPN because it's like the number one name brand in sports. It's like, all right. But they have shrinking, literally yeah. shrinking subscribers from the cable bundle breaking up on one end. On the other end, they literally are going to have to bid against Netflix for sports. They have to bid against Bottomless Pockets. Yeah, like so, you're losing your 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 revenue and your costs are going up. That's why no one's bought. I ESPN can't
2: yet. wait yeah. to find out where Disney is in 12 months. I'm a I'm a shareholder, unfortunately, but because on the one hand you have this push and pull of Whatever, what could, could the news possibly be worse for Disney? Could the news possibly be worse? Well, the
1: cable bundle thing is the thing. Most people are paying for all that shit, and they don't even. What know. I want to know for is it what is, is Nelson Peltz behind closed doors telling Bob
0: Iger he wants? It's not even clear what the solution yeah. is. It's not like Peltz has made this public case of how to fix it. He has like he has uh, Pearl shares or whatever the guy's name is, yeah. this, uh, the His old psychopath. So he's say so he's got. He's got access to enough votes. He'll get on the board. But what is he? What is the answer? I don't even know. So I find this a fascinating time in media. All right, we're going to wrap up from here, but we're going to do favorites before we get out of here. Michael, you have a favorite today. Start us off.
2: Aaron Stanhope and the pseudonymous Jesse Livermore wrote, I actually didn't finish. I'm 40, I mean, this is long. I'm 40% of the way through this post. <laughs> Climbing the maturity wall of worry. And they break down. So we've shown charts like how much debt is fixed for the S and P, how much more exposed the Russell two thousand is. So they get granular on which sectors are most exposed to higher interest rates. This was written obviously when higher for longer was consensus. Yeah. But just an incredible, incredible piece of so research. What do they? What do they conclude? I'm only forty percent of the way through. Okay, it's like forty thousand. So where do you
0: find this? You go to Canvas.
2: No, you go to our show
0: notes. That's where you find. Go them. to our show notes. Come on now. Who didn't think about
1: that, uh, Dan? You got a favorite for us? I thought we were doing that with the Morgan Housel thing. You want to you want to use that as yours? Yeah, shout uh, to Morgan. Yeah, Dude. I just read it this week. I thought it was
0: awesome. Uh, I got some new music. Uh, Willie Nelson's 90th birthday took place at the Hollywood uh, at the Hollywood Bowl uh, in April. They just put it out as an album on. I'm sure it's on Apple too. I saw it on Spotify. This is like these are the final days, right? Yeah. For, for these people, like Charlie Munger just passed. Uh, I think we need to appreciate Willie more just as like an institution and, uh, just someone who never got, who who never changed and was consistently good for decades and decades and decades. And, uh, it's a pretty good listen, pretty good record.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, that. so I thought I'd hit you guys with that. All right. That's all I have as our final show of the year, Duncan. Are there any other announcements that we should be making?
2: Uh, well, I just wanted to say I think we found our number one listener from people that wrote in from Spotify Wrapped. We have Nathan with 0.01%. He has 11,884 minutes of listening this wow. year. Holy cow! So, uh, that was me. So thanks. Damn, Nathan. thanks, Nathan. Nathan, thank
0: you so much. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year. We appreciate you. Let me just let me just end the show for the year by saying how much I appreciate and Michael and we all appreciate the listeners. You guys are rocking with us all year. You guys are giving us amazing feedback, telling us everything that you like, what we're doing, sometimes telling us what you don't like, and we're reading it, we're listening to you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in uh, every week. Now, twice a week, we do this show. And uh, I wanna personally say thank you to all the people behind the scenes who make the show possible. So we'll start with our research associate, Sean, who's not here today, Um, Rob Passarello, who joined us this year to manage the business end of the compound. Nicole, who is heading uh, so many things, she's booking shows. She's running shows. She's the head of uh, audience engagement. She's on our social channels. She's responding to all your comments and she does it with a gigantic smile on her face every day. So shout out to Nicole. I want to uh, highlight the work that John has been doing all year. John knows what charts we want before we even know we want them on screen. He's intu- he's intuiting. Uh, and, and making the show so high quality, whether it's YouTube or it's, it's audio, whatever. Uh, John, you're the best. And of course, can't leave out Duncan. Duncan's wearing a Dunder Mifflin uh, Christmas sweater today. Uh, Duncan is the star, the co-star of Ask the Compound with Ben uh, on YouTube. For those of you who aren't watching that show yet, you can see Duncan in action. But Duncan is really our creative director and has a hand in everything that we put out and has just been so instrumental in um, improving the quality of what we do and insisting on quality. Even when I beg him to cut, cut corners, he will not do it. That's the only friction that he and I have is I want faster, and he says, no, the audience demands better. And he's always right. So shout out to Duncan. And uh, we'll give Dan a shout out too. Newest member of the team. Hey, Dan, how are you? We're giving you a shout out right now. I know you just joined. You haven't done a lot. You've done a lot of little things. And in 2024, you're going to become instrumental. Big this. things have small beginnings. That's right. So we're so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining the team. Uh, all right. That's it from me. Guys, thanks for listening. Hope you have the best holidays. Hope you have the best new year and we will see you all in 2024. Thank you.